This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your Squirrel host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. It is good to have you with us. It is Monday, the 11th day of December, 2023. Wow, we are two weeks from Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, Christmas is on a Monday this year, so it is two weeks. Is that right? Yeah, two weeks from today. Wow. Uh, hard to believe it's already Christmas. I mean, I didn't summer just start. <laughs> I am. And I know I commented on it a lot, but I am constantly amazed at how fast time flies. There's just no getting around it. Um, I, uh, preached yesterday at, at, uh, Frenchtown community church. Um, the second Sunday in Advent, my topic was peace. Um, and it's it was funny because uh, I have a reputation at Frenchtown for going a little long. <laughs> um, uh, my first sermon there was an hour and six minutes. Um, and uh, so I have this reputation. Um, I have not gone over an hour since it was just that message required it. Um, so it's, there's a lot of joking whenever I preach that, you know, it's going to be a long time. So when pastor Scott was lighting the advent candle yesterday, he said, hopefully Gene will be done before these candles burn down. (laughs) Um, and I went less than 30 minutes. (laughs) So I felt good about that. Um, my topic was peace, and uh, and and I I tend to go shorter in topical messages than I do in in uh, in when I exegete a passage. Just that's that's been typically me. I don't do topical messages much, and uh, when I do, even when I do one-offs, I usually pick a passage and exegete it. But for the topic, I uh, I was all over the, you know, selected scriptures, and I, I plugged in several things and uh, um, made all my points and finished up in just under 30 minutes. So um, I was going to put, I, I went up on the Facebook page and looked at the, the video, and I don't know what it was, but the sound quality was horrible on uh, yesterday's service on the live stream. So um, I I can't really point you to my message because the quality of, of what's out there is it it was unlistenable. Um, I I couldn't, I couldn't hear what I was saying. It was very distorted. It was like, you know, the, the feed was too hot. Um, just it was distorted and and uh, not balanced well at all, so that uh, that's not there 
to be shared, and I apologize. All right, this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to Scripture, theology, history, current events, and anything else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. Mm. This is the last of this bag of Glacier Blend from the Montana Montana Coffee Traders. And uh, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Tomorrow I will be uh, drinking Herb House Signature Blend because I'm going to have to grind coffee today. And that's the next bag up, is some Herb's House. Um, I love my Montana Coffee Trader stuff, but they're pricey. Um, Herb's House is much more reasonable. And then uh, I also, um, <laughs> the San Francisco Bay French Roast from Costco in the three-pound bag is right about 20 bucks. And if you can go find, and it's not bad coffee. It's a little bit dark. Um, it's a very dark roast, but it's not bad coffee. I've been drinking it for years. That's kind of my, that's kind of my go-to staple coffee because it's not that expensive. You get a three-pound bag of beans for right around twenty bucks, um, and and not not have it be awful. <laughs> is is uh, a good thing. So that's that's what I drink typically. But I like to mix in my my Montana Coffee Trader and my Herb's House and Squirrely Joe's. Those are really the you know I, I have a friend that occasionally sends me some Death Wish coffee. Not my favorite, um but I drink it because it's coffee. I like coffee. All right, what do we got coming up today? We have scripture reading. We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And it's Monday, so we've got Monday meanderings coming up. Let us begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now our prayer for the reading of the word, which is a... a Colic that we will hear a lot this week. Um, I, uh, I I was trying to think, okay, what am I going to do? Because the, 
this is the colic this week. This is the second sun, the colic for the second Sunday in Advent. So at the end of the end of the program, when I do the when I close the show, I'm going to be reading this colic. I thought, well, do I want to read it twice every episode? And I said, yeah, I do. Um, so this is the prayer, our prayer for the reading of the word, which is also the colic for this week. Blessed Lord, who caused all the holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right. Our scripture reading begins in Genesis chapter 6 today. Now it happened when men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were good in appearance, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then Yahweh said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he indeed is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then Yahweh saw that the evil of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And Yahweh regretted that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And Yahweh said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animal to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of Yahweh. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among those in his generations. Noah walked with God, and Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms, and you shall cover it inside and out with pitch. Now this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and complete it to one cubit from the top, and set the door of the ark on the side of it. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. As for me, behold, I am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall breathe its last. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons, and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And every living thing of all flesh you shall bring to 
And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds after their kind and of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing on the ground after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. As for you, take for yourself some of all food which is edible and gather it to yourself and it shall be for food for you and for them. Thus Noah did, according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. And now Psalm 6. For the choir director, with stringed instruments, according to the Shimoneth, a psalm of David. O Yahweh, do not reprove me in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Yahweh, for I am pining away. Heal me, O Yahweh, for my bones are dismayed, and my soul is greatly dismayed. But you, O Yahweh, how long? Return, O Yahweh, rescue my soul. Save me because of your loving kindness. For there is no remembrance of you in death. In Sheol, who will give thanks to you? I am weary with my sighing. Every night I make my bed swim. I flood my couch with my tears. My eye has wasted away with grief. It has become old because of all my adversaries. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for Yahweh has heard the sound of my weeping. Yahweh has heard my supplication. Yahweh receives my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and greatly dismayed. They shall turn back they will suddenly be ashamed. This is the word of the Lord. And now our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. Just a moment. There we go. For some reason, the, the font decided... I, was, I, was, I think I was reading something else and I adjusted the font and now I have to adjust the font again back to uh, something I can read from here when I'm narrating. Okay, today's um, devotional is the problem of spiritual debt. And forgive us our debts, Matthew 6, 12a. Dr. MacArthur writes, Sin dominates the hearts and minds of lost men and women, separates them from God, and is therefore their greatest enemy and problem. It is the common denominator for every crime, immorality, pain, and sorrow, and there is no natural cure. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then you also can do good who are accustomed to doing evil, Jeremiah thirteen twenty three. The natural individual does not even want his or her sin cured, John three nineteen. If sin is our greatest problem, our greatest need is the forgiveness God provides. Though forgiven from sin's ultimate penalty, see Romans 8.1, believers need God's constant forgiveness for sins they still commit. The Apostle John cautions us, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 8 and 9. 
Jesus' act of washing the apostles' feet, John 13, 5 through 11, is more than a picture of humility. It also portrays God's repeated cleansing forgiveness to his disciples. The forgiveness that secures our saving position in Christ at regeneration does not need repeating, but we need God's practical forgiveness every day to cleanse us from sin's contamination as we live in this world. Out of God's vast heart of forgiveness, he is ever willing to continually pardon his children. See Nehemiah 9.7 and Romans 5.20. Ask yourself, there are probably a small number of things in your life that are clearly in violation of what you know to be right. Things that are top of mind as you consider again the depths of our sin and our need for God's forgiveness. Deal with these things in prayer today as you repent before the Father and receive his promised mercy. All right. Good word from Dr. MacArthur. All right. It's Monday, and once again, I'm going to talk about football. Mm. Friday night at Washington Grizzly Stadium before 20,000 people, which... Uh, was our smallest crowd of the year so far. Friday night Friday night games are tough because Montana is such a widespread state that there are a lot of people who who would be unable to make a game on a Friday night after they get off work. Um you know, especially the people in eastern Montana where they're driving, you know, sometimes six, eight, ten hours to get there. Um, and and so it's, it's they, that can be a hardship. So we had 20,000 fans, but they were loud. <laughs> and uh, it was a tight game. It was a really tight game. Um, it went into overtime. Montana won 35 to 28. Montana had been leading... It, 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 for most of the game, um, but then right at the end, um, Furman tied it up and went into overtime, and Montana won in overtime. So it was a it was a nail biter. Nobody left. There were only there may have been only twenty thousand people there, but none of them left. Um, I was talking to one of the elders at our church, who is a retired police officer who works security for the games. And uh, he said, yeah, nobody left. <laughs> um, he did mention they had some some inebriated incidents, but uh, he said it wasn't actually wasn't too bad. But, uh, but yeah, the, the, the crowd did not depart. He said there was nobody walking out his gate <laughs> before the game ended. Um, so that's... Uh, the, the Montana Grizzly fans are are uh, diehard. Um, we had a little bit of snow, but nothing like we had last week against uh, Delaware with that snow globe. But uh, we did have a little bit of snow. But the the guys from Furman played hard. Um, you know, they had the number one defense. It, and I, I was watching the game from the stands. And when you're at the game, it's hard especially where I sit in the north end zone, it's hard to see all the subtleties that are going on out in the field. 
Um, so basically what you see is the result of the plays. You know, you don't, you don't really get to see what happened. But Saturday, I, uh, I got on ESPN Plus and watched the game again from the television coverage. And, man, it was a good game. Uh, it really was. Both teams were playing very, very well. And what you had was two top ten offenses against two top ten defenses. And, you know, they always say defense wins championships. Neither team could move the ball. It was, you know... Now, Montana had two touchdowns by Junior Bergen. One was the opening kickoff, 99 yards, and the second one was a punt return. So that's 24 of Montana's 35 points for Junior Bergen's kick returns. Um, so thank you for special teams. They, you know, the offense, I believe, only scored a couple of touchdowns, not counting the the uh, overtime um, kicker missed some field goals that he should have made, um, which would have given us six more points. So it, it was a it was a hard game, um, and and as uh, the uh, um, as Coach Halk said in the post game press conference, he said good teams. Find a way to win, even when they're not playing their best. <laughs> um, I really didn't see a whole lot of mistakes on Montana's part. We threw an interception. They threw an interception. So that was balanced. I don't. I think the turnover was balanced. I don't think there was, uh, you know, so turnovers didn't decide it. It was just good football. Um, so this Saturday afternoon... North Dakota State University Bison are coming to Missoula to play the Grizzlies in the semifinals. So we're, we're there are there are only four teams left. So the winner of, of Saturday is playing in the national championship. Um, I I don't think the game with NDSU is going to be as close. Um, I don't know which way it's going to go, but I don't think it's going to be that close. Um, Montana State almost beat North Dakota State a couple of weeks ago in the second round. Um, but North Dakota State just absolutely blew away South Dakota yesterday or Saturday. So it's, it's a, and that was in South Dakota. So they're coming in off a road win, but they're coming to Missoula. And, 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 uh, this is, as everybody says, the Mecca of FCS football. It is definitely, it's the only FCS team or only FCS stadium listed among the loudest NCAA college football stadiums. So it's a loud place and it's, you know, it's Furman handled the noise pretty good. Um, the other thing is that North Dakota state is a dome. They're an indoor team. Uh, there's a dome in Fargo, so it's interesting. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, but that's Saturday afternoon. I will be there. Looking forward to it. 
All right. Well, ever since the October 7th Hamas attacks on Israel, I think we've been noticing the rise of anti-Semitism in the demonstrations, the pro-Palestinian demonstrations, demonstrations on college campuses, reports of Jewish students being accosted, having to hide in, you know, there was a a group of Jewish students that had to hide from pro-Palestinian demonstrators in the library. I mean, you know, we've heard these stories and some of the vile things that are being said, the chance of from the river to the sea, which um, is calling for the abolition of the state of Israel. Well, last Tuesday, three elite university presidents, because this is taking place in a large part on university campuses. Three elite university presidents, Harvard's Claudine Gay, MIT's Sally Kornbluth, and the University of Pennsylvania's Liz McGill, testified before the House Education and Workforce Committee about the anti-Semitism on college campuses. And they botched it. They really botched it. None of them would condemn anti-Semitism and calls for genocide as a violation of their uh, uh, standards of conduct on their campuses. Um, so it, it was it was a very heated. If you if you watch that was last Tuesday. Um, there's video of it all over YouTube and whatnot that you can go and look at. It was a prime example of elite hubris. Um, these university professors were looking down upon these conservative Congress people who would dare ask them these questions, and that attitude came out in their answers. Um, but it backfired on them. And it backfired on them big time because the average American is not nearly as leftist as the elites are. And so calls for resignations began immediately as these university professors were have been roundly condemned. Um, even because of public opinion, the White House has come out in condemnation of these university professors. The White House that doesn't want to take a stand on this at all has had to say something because the public opinion has been uh, so strong against these guys. Well, big donors began pulling funds from these universities. Um, so they've lost... There was a $100 million donation pulled from the University of Pennsylvania. Well, Saturday, UPenn's president, Liz McGill, resigned. Um, Claudine Gay at uh, Harvard is probably next. She is under huge pressure. Um, Billionaire alumni are calling for her resignation um, under huge attack. Um, MIT's Cornbluth seems to be trying to keep her head down. 
but it's not working. She's under huge pressure to resign as well. I predict both of them will be gone by the end of the week. Um, one of the things that, that uh, Al Mohler said last week, he said basically they will resign, new people will be brought in, and nothing will change because the culture is just in horrible situation. One of the things that was really interesting, Washington Examiner published a story this morning that University of Pennsylvania and Harvard together raked in $20 million from Qatar and Saudi Arabia over the last two years. Now, UPenn lost a $100 million thing, but they've gotten, you know, this is no way covers that. But it is interesting when you think about it, why would Saudi Arabia and Qatar be donating to American universities? Now, I think this would this goes far beyond tuition. This is not covering the tuition of foreign students from these countries. This is this is a. Uh, this this is different. This is this is this is funds that are used to establish uh, Islamic centers and stuff like that on these campuses, and so it's it's a you know I I just couldn't imagine, and I'm sure the American government, some of our foreign aid goes to education systems around the world, um, which isn't appreciated. We need to keep our money at home. Quit wasting our money on these foreign nations that hate us. You can't buy favor. You know, it, it really doesn't work. All you do is foster resentment. It, it, it never has worked, and it doesn't work now. And we need to really totally revamp America's foreign policy. But anyway... The, the, the growing anti-Semitism on the college campuses has been public. Um, I was having an exchange with Daryl Harrison on Twitter yesterday, and I, I made a comment along the lines of, you know, I know that American higher education has been a cesspool of leftism for a long time. But what surprised me about Tuesday's testimony was how obvious they are about it. Um, and, so, you know, they're, they, it's almost like they're not trying to hide it. But then they get surprised when people notice <laughs> and people don't like it. So, um, but the, the, there have been attacks on Jewish people outside of college campuses, too. It isn't just on college campuses. Um, an elderly Jewish couple was attacked Saturday outside their Beverly Hills synagogue. Um, in in Billings, Montana, here in Montana. The Billings is the largest city in the state. A woman was arrested for driving her vehicle repeatedly through an Israelis for Christ group on the sidewalk. Now, I don't know the group's purpose in being there. Apparently, they were all dressed alike. They were obviously a group. Um, the reports are that somebody was speaking through a bullhorn. I don't know what they were saying. 
I don't know if this was a demonstration in support of Israel's war with Hamas or if this was street evangelism or what they were doing, but they were on the streets, on the sidewalk in Billings, Montana, and this woman drove through their group and apparently turned around and drove through them several more times. Um, one 45-year-old man was suffered minor injuries. Everybody was able to get out of the way. Nobody was killed, thankfully. But, you know, bizarre. The, the woman was charged with eight counts of felony vehicular assault, felony criminal mischief, and driving under the influence. Just bizarre. And I said, all of this can be laid at the feet of the cesspool that is leftism as it is propagated by modern higher education and our elite universities. They, they, they are morally degraded. They are politically insufferable. They're horribly smug and they're wrong the whole time. Um, I have been, you know, here I am. I've got a University of Montana banner here behind me. I'm a big University of Montana football supporter. Folks, University of Montana is routinely called Berkeley North. It is one of the most leftist schools around. Um, it was it was leftist when I was a student there almost 40 years ago, and it's still even more so now. Um, so, you know, the higher education system in our nation is a, don't send your kids there. Don't send your kids there. Most jobs don't, you know, they may ask for a college degree, but, you know, go to trade school. Don't get hundreds of millions of dollars in debt or hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, getting a worthless degree. The only people that really need to go to college, and this is historically, this is the way the, the people that went to college were medical doctors, engineers, lawyers, and theologians. I mean, you go back 100, 150 years, those were the only people with college degrees. Most everybody else was learning a trade. They were learning it from their, their parents you know, farmers were taught by farmer, farmer children were taught by farmer parents, or they were apprenticed in a trade, becoming mechanics, becoming blacksmith, becoming whatever. Um, you go to a trade school and you become a, a, a mechanic or an electrician or, you know, any of these other trades, you're going to make good money and not have to, and you won't be dealing with the debt. You know, at a, a two-year community college or two-year uh, trade school degree in, a, in, in electrical engineering is going to do you a lot better than a four-year degree or a master's or a PhD in Native American studies or women's studies African studies or, you know, wombat studies, whatever, totally useless. To, I mean, 
you know, the world doesn't need that many wildlife biologists. The world certainly doesn't need that many women's studies majors. Um, communications, that's enough. <laughs> communications. Um, you know, not a, not a very useful degree. I know a lot of guys get, get their degree in communications. It just, that, it just, you know, what do you do with that? So, yeah, I, I don't know why any politically conservative or religiously conservative parents would send their children to a modern liberal arts college. Yeah. There are good Christian colleges out there. Yeah. Masters University, Cedarville. Um, not a big fan of Liberty, but even Liberty would be better than, than uh, um, you know, there, 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 there are options out there. Um, but I'm, I'm, I've become a huge proponent of trade schools. You know, get a useful skill and go make money. You don't need to, to get useless academic credentials. Go learn something useful and do something. And don't, don't incur massive debt along the way. I mean, there are a lot of apprenticeship programs. You get paid while you're learning because you're working. <laughs> you know, that's when my, uh, my nephew became a plumber. He apprenticed. And, and, you know, he's doing good, married with a kid, paying his bills. You know, this is, you know, um, it, it makes much more sense. Now, we need doctors and lawyers and engineers and theologians, but we don't need, as I said, women's studies majors, racial reconciliation majors, you know, we used to always jokingly refer to as left-handed underwater back basket weaving degrees. They're just useless. What is the purpose in that? So, um, the the as I said, the the higher education is a cesspool of leftism. Um, politically, religiously, it, it, it anti-American. The, their attitudes and the things that they teach. But here's the thing. These leftist institutions have trained the teachers that are propagating our high schools and junior highs and grade schools, which is why, you know, modern children think it's perfectly reasonable to identify as a goat, you know, <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's been taught to them since first grade by products of these leftist elite universities, which is why homeschool your kids. Get them out of the school system. Don't expose them to this mess. It's not good for them, and it's not good for the country. Um, so if you love your ch children, you will make other arrangements for their education. And I firmly believe that. And, and, and I'm speaking not just to Christians, but to, to, you know, patriotic Americans of all stripes. If, if, if you have any conservative political bones in your body, don't send your kids to public education. Certainly don't send them to these, these vile universities. So anyway, 
look this week to, to, to see the presidents of Harvard and MIT resign, um, especially in the wake of uh, McGill's resignation at UPenn. It's, uh, it's bears watching. I'm sure we'll be talking about this again next Monday. All right, let's turn our topic back to Christmas. I want to talk about jolly old St. Nicholas. Um, we all, you know, St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, um, the, the epimonious, is that even the right word? I'm not sure. The, uh, the, the figure of the secular Christmas, you know, comes down the street in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which is supposed to officially mark the beginning of the Christmas shopping season. We spoke last week about the, 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 the world's, um, uh, ecclesial calendar, um, where, you know, the Christmas season is different from the traditional Christian advent. Um, but we all, you know, guy in a red suit with white fur trim, you know, chubby fellow, reindeer, all of that. Folks, St. Nicholas was a real guy. <laughs> he was the Bishop of Myra in the third century AD. Myra is, um, the present day town of Dimri in the Antalya province of modern Turkey. Um, so Northern Middle East Turkey area. And he was the Bishop of Myra in the, in the third century AD. And there are legends about him that abound. First, he had been arrested during Roman persecution of Christians, um, and imprisoned, but when Constantine became emperor, he was released and and resumed his duties as uh, Bishop of Myra. Now, some of the stories that are told about him, and this will sound familiar because you'll you'll realize where some of our our Christmas traditions come from. He reportedly saved, and this is the most famous. St- Maybe the, the the most famous or the second most famous story told about him. It is said that he saved three girls from being forced into prostitution by their impoverished families by dropping small bags of gold into their stockings that were hung out to dry, thus providing dowries for them so they could be married. So... Why do we get presents and stockings hung by the fireplace? Comes from this legend about St. Nicholas. It is reported that he was at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD and was temporarily defrocked and imprisoned for punching the heretic Arius. Um, We don't know if this is true or if it's just legendary. I hope it's true. I want St. Nicholas clocking Arius to be true so bad. (laughs) That's, that's one of those, the every year, you know, the jolly old St. Nicholas, you know, uh, punching Arius. That's, that's one of my favorite images 
that crops up at Christmas time is all the paintings of St. Nicholas punching Arius. Now, how did St. Nicholas become Santa Claus? Well, in Dutch, Klaus is a nickname for Nicholas. Nicholas Klaus, you see how that happens? So, Sinterklaas, Saint Nicholas, became Santa Claus. And so that's where the name comes from. So even even the name Santa Claus is referring to Saint Nicholas. So, he was a real dude. Um, his feast day um, in the traditions that venerate saints, which my own Baptist tradition does not, um, in his feast day is December 22nd. So you can see how St. Nicholas became associated with Christmas. Um, obviously, he lived in Turkey, not the North Pole. He didn't have reindeer. You know, <laughs> he didn't have elves. All of that stuff has been, you know, is fable added on and, and adopted really from, from Northern, Northern European folklore about other people that just kind of got, you know, it all kind of got mashed together. And, and we ended up with, you know, Santa Claus living at the North Pole with his elves and his reindeer and delivering presents to the world. But, you know, he, he did, he did exist and he is legendary for his generosity. Um, Another story which we know isn't true, but it's one of the miracles attributed to St. Nicholas, was that he resurrected three children who had been butchered and pickled in brine and were going to be sold by a unscrupulous butcher as pork during a famine. Very dark story, but... Nicholas found out about it and resurrected these children. Um, I'm fairly certain that didn't happen, like 99.972%, roughly. Um, so, you know, I don't put any stock in, in most stories of legends. <laughs> I don't put any stock in um, outside of Scripture because they're usually just not very well attested to. So, that's St. Nicholas. All right, let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. 
Amen. And now the colic for the second Sunday in Advent. Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your Holy Word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The Colic for the Renewal of Life. O God, the King Eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires, incline our hearts to keep your law, and guide our feet into the way of peace, that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give you thanks, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And the colic for the unrepentant. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that you should turn to your that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrep- unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for today. Thank you for joining us to start your week. Hope you have a great week ahead of you. Remember, two weeks till Christmas. Do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. See you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.